Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd. Coming up, the Kansas City area just went through a brutal cold snap. We'll get a preview of the rest of the winter, plus how climate change could affect winters to come. But first, some headlines. Jackson County voters will weigh in on a 3 eighths percent sales tax to help pay for a new baseball stadium and renovating the football stadium. The county legislature has voted to override County Executive Frank White's veto of a ballot question to renew the tax for 40 years. Megan Marshall was one of only two legislators to support White's veto. To place $2 billion in taxes on the ballot without legally binding agreements from both teams goes beyond mere good faith. It is irresponsible. The Kansas City Royals still have not chosen a final location for the new stadium. The election will take place April 2nd. About 60 Missouri corrections officers have signed a letter asking Governor Mike Parson to commute the sentence of a man scheduled to be executed on April 9th. Brian Dorsey, now 51, was convicted in 2008 of murdering two of his cousins, Sarah and Ben Bonney. Officers in the Potosi Correctional Center say Dorsey has worked as a barber and stayed in the prison's honor dorm. The letter calls Dorsey, quote, one of the most pleasant people we know and asks that his sentence be changed to life without parole. The prison's former warden, Troy Steele, says Dorsey gained the respect of staff and has had no behavioral issues. Parsons' office did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The nonprofit preparing the Kansas City region to host World Cup matches in 2026 wants the state of Kansas to contribute $32 million in funding. KC2026 says the money would support marketing, transit, and security. Matches will be held at Arrowhead Stadium in Missouri, but Kansas will host teams and visitors for practice and more. Catherine Holland is executive director of KC2026. She says the money would help keep the World Cup from overwhelming Kansas communities. We can't shut these communities down for 40 days. We need to make sure that we are providing support to continue with regular host city operations. The nonprofit estimates the event will bring about $163 million to the Kansas economy. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly included about two-thirds of the nonprofit's request in this year's budget proposal. But GOP leadership seems skeptical of providing funds. The Board of Public Utilities in Kansas City, Kansas, is facing another lawsuit alleging racial discrimination. KCUR's Sam Zeff reports it's the 10th such case against BPU in the last two years. Eric Lindsay has been a carpenter for BPU for the last 12 years in his federal lawsuit. Lindsay alleges he's experienced discrimination almost from the day he was hired. Lindsay alleges that his white colleagues would say yes I'm boss when asked for help. He says BPU's HR department has ignored his complaints of abuse and harassment. This is the second discrimination lawsuit filed this month against BPU. In an email, BPU said it doesn't comment on pending litigation. We'll be back after this. Oreo is the most famous cookie in the world, but few people remember the product that it blatantly ripped off, a creation of Jacob Luce in Kansas City. Not only was Oreo this copycat of Hydrox, it was also built on the back of the company that Jacob had founded himself. 
how Kansas City started the Cookie Wars. Hear the whole story on the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. At first, this winter was unusually warm, and then it was brutally cold. Now the weather has hopefully calmed down, but this year could be a sign of future winters to come. Climate change will continue to impact not just how hot it gets in Kansas City, but also the cold weather months. Andrew Pershing is vice president for science of New Jersey-based nonprofit research group Climate Central. He joined me over Zoom to explain this winter's weather patterns and take a look at what could come next. So speaking broadly about the U.S. as a whole, how has the climate this winter differed from the climate in previous years? So this this winter has been really unusual, um, but in some ways that's just winter, right? Winter is a season where we get a lot of swings, uh, and that's just part of the climate of a really big continent like what like North America. So December was uh, kind of off the charts warm or you know unusually warm across big parts of North America, especially the you know the upper Great Plains and up into Canada, um, but including the Kansas City area, and then. We had this just really rapid swing uh, last about last week, about 10 days ago, towards a more, kind of more cold conditions where we had the Arctic air that spilled uh, over large parts of the country. And then it looks like next week we're going to be swinging back towards, you know, at least more seasonable and in a lot of places, uh, probably a bit warm, uh, you know, for this time of year. How have winters in the Midwest been affected by climate change in recent years? So winter is the fastest warming season uh, in most states in the Midwest. Uh, So we generally see uh, temperatures going up uh, year after year. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that every year, every day is going to be above uh, above normal, but it just means that there's this kind of steady pressure uh, that climate change is putting on the Midwest that it's tending to, to lift winter temperatures warmer. Uh, and then within that, we still have the potential for, you know, for the really big swings like what, uh, you know, what you all have experienced this uh, over the last couple of weeks. So like you said, December was pretty mild across the continent. Um, and, and January is typically the coldest month in the Kansas City area. But this month has been really brutal. Um, how common is it for there to be these extreme cold periods? So that's a really great question. And I'd say it's, a, it's actually an area of very active scientific research right now. Um, there seems to be a trend in the data. And I, I imagine that most of the folks listening would, would have had this experience of, you know, the last couple of winters, we've had these, you know, these really intense cold air outbreaks. And there is some uh, evidence or uh, and some speculation that this may actually be related to climate change by by through warming in the Arctic, essentially making it easier for the cold air to escape uh, and reach as you know as far south as you know as Texas, like it has the last couple of winters. Um, but that's a that's very much a um, kind of an area of active research and a little bit controversial in the atmospheric science community right now. So. I have to, would have to say that, you know, in general, we don't know, but it certainly feels like there is a trend. What can we expect for the rest of this season? We actually have reasonably good, um, you know, seasonal forecasts right now, in part because it's an El Nino year. So that gives that that allows the, the models to to generally do better because I have just a much stronger persistent signal to that they can uh, that can drive the long range models. 
So it looks nationally like we, uh, like the next couple of weeks are going to warm up uh, and we're going to expect to generally warmer conditions across much of the country. And then, uh, you know, more, more likely than not, we're going to finish out the winter with, uh, with warmer conditions. And how can we expect climate change to affect future winters? So that's a great question. So you're going to broadly see the push towards warmer and warmer conditions. So fewer days below freezing, um, you know, generally like a later start to the weather that you would think of as as winter weather, which this year was a really great example of that. Um, So that's kind of the pressure on the system. Uh, I think the wild card here is the behavior of the jet stream and whether there is actually a climate change link to that, uh, which uh, what that would mean would be that you know, a place like Kansas City would have the average would be going up, but the the variability, like the potential for like weeks to swing from really warm to really cold uh, would increase. Uh, and that's very much an area that, you know, that scientists are looking out for right now. How can people prepare for those changes? Do you think we'll see changes in government policy or or infrastructure or people's lifestyles to prepare for that eventual warming? Well, I I think we have to, right? And the question is really, are we going to do it fast enough? Um, so it's 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 easier, I think, to think about that when we're talking about like the extremely warm, humid conditions, like uh, like we're getting more and more often in you know in the central part of the country uh, that we get in the summer, and and just think about like what do we have to do to keep people safe in that heat uh, for these winter conditions. A lot of what we have to do is make sure that, you know, as we're building out this, you know, a new, an electrical grid uh, that needs to be intact in order to keep people warm uh, during these conditions, that that's prepared for, uh, you know, for potentially more ice, for potentially more of these, you know, extended cold air outbreaks, even though the whole thing, uh, the whole system is getting generally warmer. That was Andrew Pershing, Vice President for Science of Climate Central. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Anna Schmidt and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more coverage of this winter's weather, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please leave us a review. It really helps us reach new listeners. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts.